Pego. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. How's everyone doing today, this weekend, this week? Hope everyone's doing well. Um, you know, probably not going to be too much in this episode. I know I, I know. sometimes I say that and, you know, the episodes last longer than expected, but not really much happened this week other than the uh, Hogwarts Legacy, oh, was that was yeah, Hogwarts Legacy uh, reveal, and then um, you know a few minor things here and there. But I do have uh, one or two games to talk about that I've played this past week. So let's get into that. What have I been playing this past week? Alrighty, on the top of my list is a game called Tunic, which recently came out. It's on Xbox Game Pass. If you want to try it out. So, Tunic is a, a very interesting mix of a few genres, obviously. It has a lot of inspiration from The Legend of Zelda. Uh, specifically, specifically, uh, I think it has a lot of inspiration from Link's Awakening. The the kind of like the remaster of that, or the remake. I guess you would call it the remaster, I suppose. And, um... You know, the reason I say that is, like, the art style and how the character kind of moves on the screen. Everything kind of looks, you know, very... It's not it's not toyish, but it is, like, very cartoonish how, you know, the characters move and look and stuff like that. And it's actually very, very charming. Um, I, I, I was a little bit off-put by how, you know, the um, Link's Awakening remaster looked. I, I mean, I got used to it. I was fine with it in the long run. But with Tunic, I think right away I, I I was like, yeah, this looks. I mean, this this looks great. It it it, uh, it it definitely has a very nice style to it, uh, visually, and it it does. You can definitely tell there's a lot of inspiration taken from that game, and there's also a good amount of inspiration taken from possibly. No, I'm not sure if this is true, but possibly. I mean, it, it definitely has some inspiration, like m maybe some links to Death Door, which was a game that came out last year that a lot of people enjoyed, including myself. Um, and, and in that sense, it's it's a, it's a little bit like the, the, the game the, the Tunic is a little bit Souls-like, but it's not like super Souls-like that you're gonna, you know, if, if you're not a fan of those genres, you you won't like it. I think that it's another one of those ones where it's like it's it's close. It's like Souls-like adjacent, you know. You lose a little bit of money when you die, uh, but it's not like a super big deal. There are some tough enemies to beat, but you know it's it's a game that it doesn't take itself too like seriously in that aspect. I think that's it's very versatile and accessible to a lot of different players either way, just like Death's Door was. And also along the same lines, um, there's like multiple layers and stuff like that to the floors. There's hidden pathways all around and hidden shortcuts as well. So there's a lot of stuff going for it that really makes it a very, a very fun, um, not wholly unique, but it, I mean, it does have a good feel to it. I, I, I do enjoy how the combat works and, and like I was saying, you know, it does have some very obvious ties to something like, you know, Link's Awakening where you have to equip on three different buttons, three different actions. So your shield is always on your right trigger. Uh, which is either R2 or RT, whatever. Haven't played it with mouse and keyboard, so not sure. Well, you know, I think it's right-click on that, but yeah, that's besides the point. 
once you get your shield, it's it's always it's always accessible. You know, you don't have to equip the shield. As long once you find it, it's good to go. It helps a lot with the gameplay. If you're struggling at the beginning of the game, you know, you get like a when you wash up on shore, you get a stick and you go around the stick. You can't even chop down, you know, grass. You know, you just have a stick to defend yourself. Once you get to that point where you got a sword and you have some basic knowledge of the game, that's when things start, you know, becoming much more easier. The first, you know, probably about the first 10 minutes of just kind of exploring around, trying to figure out where exactly you need to go to get the better stuff, that is, um, you know, that, that I mean, that that's going to be uh, um, probably a struggle for a lot of people, but it's not, it's not super, super difficult. I mean, you could probably just run past most of the enemies, but... Once you get that sword, though, that opens up so much. It opens up exploration because you can chop down bushes and, and grass so you can go through different areas. It helps make the combat a lot easier. Instead of taking, like, five hits to kill a slime, it takes one hit, you know? So it's like, okay, all right, we're getting somewhere. And that's the thing about the game is the exploration aspect of it is is a big is a big key to it. And even though the combat does feel good and feels fresh and, and lively... The world itself is is something that I would say holds the game up higher than uh, most uh, uh, games that are trying to emulate this style. Now, the uh, the only the only thing is obviously with it being kind of like a Zelda type or a Death Store kind of close game. There's no true like straightforward objective, right? In Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. You get washed up on the shore. You're, you know, you're not sure exactly where to go and all that, but eventually you find some some people and some things to help you, you know, figure out what you need to do. In Tunic, did I mention that the game is called Tunic? <laughs> the game's called Tunic, by the way. If I didn't mention that, um, in Tunic, it's uh, it's very easy to get lost and not know exactly where to go. Obviously, there are pathways you can take, and sometimes you'll hit a roadblock. Sometimes it won't, you know, it just won't be anything. Sometimes it leads to a bigger area that you need to start to explore too, and that's the that's the fun of the game is kind of like under like trying to get to you know how do I get to this chest and trying to figure out exactly how to get there. Um, that's part of the fun of the game, but it also can be a par- a, a place of frustration as well because if you've explored and, and exhausted your options, you know a lot of times. You go, uh, well, I've, I've been everywhere. I don't know what to do. I don't, did I miss something? Did I blah, 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 blah? And then you have to kind of backtrack or maybe try and find something that you missed. And that's where the game can get a little frustrating. But I haven't had too much trouble with that. There was only one time where I really was trying to wrap my brain about where I needed to go. And eventually I, f- I figured it out. I don't want to give any spoilers away, of course. Um, so, yeah, I, d- I did have a little bit of that frustration myself, but it wasn't super, super terrible. Um, obviously, the first area you go to, relatively s- small. I mean, there's like four different branching places to go to off of that to explore and get new items and stuff to help you on your quest. And um, along the way, you'll find these pages, and the pages ha- are like parts of the manual. And this is where the game really became something super unique and fascinating to me personally. Because from the get-go, you're not able to read the native language that is in the area. So signs, um, you know, posts, statues, wall markings, you can't you can't understand most of what's 
you know, what's being said that, and you pick up these pages for your manual and they're these beautifully illustrated manual pages that, you know, look really good. And uh, they look super stylish and, and, and I love how they look. And there's like all this writing on the page that you don't understand, but then there's a few words here and there that are like potion or, you know, if you need to press a or X or whatever, you know, it'll have like that button on there and it shows like an illustration and maybe there is a description for that, but it's in the, that other rank language that you can't understand. So for a while I was trying to understand this one that said tap a hold a, and then it had like an illustration of the little fox rolling and then having some dust behind him. And I was like, what is it trying to say here? So I was going through it, just tapping A, tap, tap, hold A, then tap A after it. Essentially, you need to tap A and then hold it down to start running after you do a roll, which helped make which helped make exploration a little bit faster. And I was like, oh, okay. It was really neat. It's a really neat way to do things. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give away all the answers to the manual, but you find these manual pages every so often, and you know sometimes you'll find page you know two, but you won't find page you know, another page, uh, maybe you'll, the next page you find is number 10, right? And so there's something missing. There's a whole bunch of pages missing there. And as you explore the areas, you find more and more pages. And obviously you're still going to miss a few or some are going to be inaccessible at the moment, but it's really an interesting concept to build the manual as you explore and not be able to fully understand it because of how the game is set up. I think that is a really cool and innovative idea that I really don't think I've personally seen whether it be in a while or, or in recent years, um, it's just one of those things that I think is a really was a really great idea. And I would love to see more games kind of do this where it's like, okay, you can't really read the language right away, but through working through the game and finding more pages and stuff like that, you'll be able to understand more and more, which is a really cool idea. I think the last game I think that I played that had that in it and did it uh, did it well was, I think it was Shadow of the Tomb Raider because you can read the pillars and stuff like that. And I think they tried to do that in... Or no, it was Rise of the Tomb Raider, and they tried to do it in, in Shadow, but I didn't really enjoy Shadow. I think that Rise of the Tomb Raider did that very well, having Lara, Lara uh, learn and how to decipher the different ancient languages. I thought that was a really good idea. And I guess uh, I don't think it inspired this game, but obviously this this game is... is you know, Tunic is, is very unique in that in that way too. Um, so, on top of all that, like I said, it is a little Soulsy. Yes, um, it seems like a lot of games coming out recently have been starting to take that monk here. Whether it's truthful or not is is up to you to decide. But this game does, you know, it, it does have checkpoints, you know, like bonfires, uh, where you upgrade your stuff um, and rest to refill your flasks for for health. You know, health health flasks. And re and when you rest, it does reset all the enemies. So, you know, it, it's very close to, you know, like I said, it's kind of like Souls Adjacent because the game is not overly difficult, uh, even though there is some tough boss fights in there and there are uh, a, a few strange enemy combinations that you can come across that can that can go through your health pretty fast. Um, it is so a little bit Souls Adjacent, kind of like how Death's Door is Souls Adjacent in the same way. Um and I, I, I've, I've so far, I've, I've enjoyed my time with it a lot. Um, I've, I've, I've played through so much. Um, it, it's hard to say, you know, exactly how long the game is, but it does seem to be like I'm maybe at like a, a quarter 
point or not I, I wouldn't say a halfway point at this at this moment uh but maybe maybe i'm more like a quarter of the way through i feel like i've made really good progress and like i said it's just kind of been like a fun time there's a lot of different weapons for you to find and use magics and and stuff like that you can find these potions that explode and turn and freeze all the enemies in the area obviously there's like dynamite as well as you can throw kind of like the bombs in in legend of zelda um, you have your shield and sword, of course, but you can also get like a, a wand that can shoot uh, projectiles at enemies. Um, and there's a lot of stuff like I, I still don't understand fully uh, what they do. You know, there before you can upgrade uh, like your health or your stamina or whatever, um, you need to find a certain item in the game. So for like your health, you need to find like a statue of a fox. And the first time that you you sacrifice this fox and spend some gold. You're not sure what it's going to upgrade, but you know it's going to upgrade something, and boom, it, 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 it ends up being your health, and that's how you kind of know from there. And I think that's a, it's just a really good idea. You know, it's a really interesting idea, I should say. You know, I think that this game is going to be one of those games that I'm going to really, really dig into and really enjoy this year because already I've you know kind of put a more time into it than I thought I was going to, and I'm just I'm I'm just really enjoying every little bit and piece of it right now and uh, i i'm i would be happy to to play it again sooner rather than later obviously um so if you want to check it out tunic um it's on all different platforms but like i said it's available on xbox game pass so even if you you're not sure if you want to you know continue playing it you can at least try it out on there give it a go see if it's something that you're going to enjoy like I said, you kind of got to get past like the first 10 minutes of it where you're, you're using like the worst weapon in the game and you're, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of trying to find like ex you need, you're trying to figure out exactly what to do. So I would say give it at least 30 minutes. And if, if, if by that time, after you've gotten weapons and stuff like that, you're still enjoying it, then yeah, you know, you know, at least you gave it a go. Um, but like I said, if you're a fan of Legend of Zelda, uh, the only I mean the only Legend of Zelda game I've really dug deep into is is Link's Awakening, and I finished that. Um, so it's very it's very much inspired by that game. And then also if you like Souls like one, and also if you like you know Souls adjacent, but also if you enjoyed Death's Door and games of that style, um, it also has a lot of you know has a lot of similarities to that as well. So try it out. Let me know if you like it. And that is, that is Tunic. Tunic. Even the name is kind of Legend of Zelda-y. And then another game that I was recently playing, I haven't played too much of it, so, you know, this is just a very basic first impressions. Um, but that Anno Mutationem, I think that's how you call it, Mutationem game. Uh, it's like a cyberpunk pixel art kind of game, but it also has a, a lot of... Um, you know, like 3D molded objects as well. The pixels are working with the molded objects. It's a very interesting style. And this game, like, you know, you, you look at a game like Cyberpunk 2077, and it's like, okay, you know, this game is obviously very futuristic and blah, 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 blah. You look at Anno and you're like, wow, this is actually, you know, this is like comparable to something like Cyberpunk 2077. Not, not graphic-wise, just kind of stylish-wise, you know? They put a lot of time and effort into making the city feel alive, and there's people walking in the streets and having conversations, and, um, you know, like, the design of the buildings and, and stuff like that. It's all very, very well done. It's, it's very cyberpunky, you know? Um, and I think... I think the game, it's a little bit stiff on the controls. Uh, the melee combat... 
is a little stiff. And this game kind of does like a Devil May Cry type thing where you have your melee weapon and you also have your gun weapon, you know, your gun weapon, <laughs> um, your shooting weapon, I should say. And it's very stiff going between the two. You know, you can't just smoothly transition to, you know, from melee to, to shooting. Um, it, it, it has to like take a pause between different moves and different actions and stuff like that, which has been a bit of a, of a, of a weird thing for me. I mean, I, I, the last game that I played by the people who developed this one, uh, was that fist forged and shadow torch game. And that was a very smooth experience of Metroidvania. That was very well done. It was on the top 10 list, uh, games list from last for last year. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's odd that this game is, is, is just so stiff on, on the combat. It, it does, it doesn't feel as good as I was hoping it would. That being said, the story that they're setting up and the world that they're building is actually really, really interesting. Um, there is some annoying voice acting in there. Obviously, um, it is a, uh, a game that is, is that's also inspired by like anime and stuff like that. So you have like those those characters who talk in a really high pitched voice. That's that's kind of annoying that you might hear in in in, in various mediums. Um, it's not terrible, you know. It's not like the most annoying thing ever. But you know, when when the character needs to let out one of those anime grunts every time she jumps or something like that, it does it does get a little annoying. I think that was. I think that was mostly because the tutorial mission just has you jumping all over the place and in combat, you're probably not going to jump that much. So that's, that's, that's kind of a thing that's like, okay, I'm going to wait until I actually get to like a real, real combat encounter, see how, how annoying the sound effects are. But that being said, I think it's a, it's a very stylish game and I think the story so far is good. Um, the only thing that's really holding it back for me right now, and I've only played about an hour or so of the game is the stiff combat. I think that the, the combat just doesn't feel really that good right now. I like the character designs. You know, I like the world design. I like the story so far. It, it, something about, you know, the character has like an illness that makes her rage or whatever. And uh, the combat is centered around kind of like that mechanic. So it, it, it's one of those things that's like, it's probably, it's probably going to be a game that uh, I might put on the back burner for a little bit and come back to it once I've beaten things like Elden Ring and, and these other games that I've been working on. But so far, I'm enjoying it, so I'm going to definitely, you know, keep it in my pocket for when I have time to to play it. Um, but yeah, you know, fun, you know, good, good, good time so far. Fun, eh, relatively not, like, amazing fun, but at least it's interesting enough to keep me interested. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that. And also, I guess I should mention this, uh, if you are a fan of Inscription, the Casey's mod, which was in beta mode for a long time, the Casey's mod is officially available. It looks like it's available everywhere, so if you want to you play that, um, that, mod, that endless mode that I was raving about for the past half a year, um, you can give that a try. It, it seems to be all tested out, and it's been working good for me. And yeah, it's just it's an it's, it's an addition to a game that I I already really really love. Um, so you know, where does it rank on my top ten from last year? Uh, maybe listen to that podcast and find out. All right, let's talk about the uh, oh oh let's let's move on to that newish section called how about that video game reveal show thing? <laughs> I I change it every time. All right, so the Sony State of Play centered around Hogwarts Legacy. 
was was this uh, Thursday? It was last Thursday, on three seventeen. Um, they showed off about fifteen minutes of of gameplay, and and they talked about the game a lot. I went into it going, ah, you know, whatever. It's you know, am I gonna watch? Should I? Am I gonna watch this? Will I watch this? I ended up watching it, and I'm glad I did because it's it kind of sold the game a little bit. I, I think so. Um. It showed a lot of cool features and ideas that they're doing in the game. Now, obviously, this is this is centered around the Harry Potter universe, but I think they said it was set after the events of Harry Potter or whatever, so you're not going to see, you know, Hermione and Ron and, and Harry and all that, uh, Dumbledore too. It, it seems like they're, they're working with a whole new cast, a whole new characters. Obviously, you can create your own character, you know? Um, and that looked pretty intuitive, so, you know, no no complaints there, really. The character designs look really good in the game. Um, and this is, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just, be, you know, pretty because, you know, they, they specifically designed these sections for the trailer, who knows. But the character designs do look really, really good in the game. Um, even even the credible characters don't look too bad and obviously you know each character you're gonna you can make them unique obviously but you're gonna go probably along a relatively the same storyline as everyone else who is playing the game too so it's not like it makes that big of a difference i don't think in the long run it's gonna make that big of a difference but it seems to you know the the custom character seems to blend in pretty well uh, um, you know uh, you know which which is nice so the first part of it is all like, you know, you're at the school, you're at Hogwarts, you're, you know, learning spells and interacting with teachers and all that stuff, you know, different, different, uh, you know, different characters from different classes or what are they different? The Sorting Hat puts you into different, uh, whatever, Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff. Anyway, <laughs> there's also puzzles hidden around the, the the school as well that you can solve, which will allow you to do different things, some different bonus things. Uh, there's ghosts to interact with, obviously, and different creatures to interact with. Um, and, and obviously, just like any Harry Potter book or movie, uh, there's a bigger picture to explore uh, inside the world of Hogwarts as well. So some sort of crazy conspiracy you know pops up between the goblins and the and the and the witches and blah blah blah. so i think it's going to be a pretty interesting story i don't think you actually need to be like a fan of harry potter to really really enjoy the game right you can i mean being a fan of harry potter is probably going to help but if you're not a fan of harry potter it looks like the gameplay and and how it works and functions is going to be really fun outside of it being a you know uh, a wizarding quest you know i kind of compared it i was like oh is this like the is this like tokyo uh, you know ghostwire tokyo because it looks very similar to that with like how you're casting spells and using like flame and shield and all this different kind of stuff um so yeah i, I mean obviously the combat looks pretty cool you're using your wand to kind of whip people around love your song and all that stuff um archeo is that one archeo um and it looks like, you know, it looks kind of, it looks very cool. It looks very fluid. I, you know, the graphics look really good. I think they captured this on a PS5 uh, for the trailer. So that, you know, that was a pretty cool thing there. 
Um, obviously, it's like, an, you know, it has RPG elements in there. You also find collectibles as well, and you put them into your spell book. They also said something about, you know, using, uh, you know, certain quest lines from characters will also give you unique spells as well, which is kind of interesting. And there's also a big thing around potions and stuff like that as well. You know, adding, you know, mixing the right potions together, finding the stuff for potions. Um, so that's it. It looks like they're really diving into it. I mean, and obviously the the piece la resistance is using your broomstick to kind of go around the open world outside of the of the castle, which looks uh, pre- pretty cool. I I was like, oh, it's Elden Ring. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was a very nice style too. It looked really nice. Um, other than that, uh, you know, I, am I guess I'm sold on the game. You know, they said it was, it was going to come in holiday of 2022. So, you know, make sure to keep an eye out for when they give an official release date, but that's cool that they, you know, they're, they're still planning on releasing it this year, even though there's like a million huge games that came out this year already. And there's still more to come, obviously. But, yeah, take it from me, a person who's not, like, a huge Harry Potter fan. I watched, I don't know, like, five of the movies, and I kind of dropped off after that. But I enjoyed the world that it built, and, I mean, you know, I I, I, I liked it enough to, you know, to watch it for a while. Uh, maybe I just grew out of it. You know, I went to high school when, when the Harry Potter movies were still being made, so I don't know. Um, but, like I said, as a person who's not, like, a super fan of, of Harry Potter... Um, I think I, I can appreciate what they're doing in here, and it looks like they got some really cool ideas happening, and maybe they're putting a little bit too much into it, but if I was a fan of Harry Potter and the Harry Potter world, and they didn't have something specific that was was, was closely related to Harry Potter, like the, you know, the potion mixing, then yeah, I would probably be disappointed too. So, you know, I'm glad that they're going all out and I'm glad that they showed off, you know, how, you know, the, the looks and, and the feel of the game, like that definitely sold me and I'm sure it sold a lot of other people. Um, and yeah, it, it does just kind of look really good. I didn't see any, um, co-op elements though. So I'm wondering if the, uh, the, the people saying that it was going to be like an open world MMO kind of thing. I'm wondering if they were kind of led astray. Obviously, it's still an open-world RPG, um, but is there going to be co-op in there? It doesn't see... I mean, they didn't show any co-op. Um, they only show that they were, you were going to be able to befriend various people and creatures and get special things from them by doing their, their storylines. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, maybe there won't maybe there won't be co-op in it. I don't know. Does it really matter to me? No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hogwarts Legacy, looking pretty good. Um, definitely check out that, uh, extended gameplay reveal on PlayStation's YouTube channel. And of course it is coming to other platforms as well. So don't be scared if you're a PC person or an Xbox person, it is coming to those platforms too. PlayStation got, just got their hands on the footage first. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go into the big news of the week. All right. So Returnal is getting a physical vinyl release for its soundtrack, uh, the soundtrack will, is already available on things like Spotify and Apple Music, but now it is set to receive a yellow vinyl with a nice cover art for the for the sleeve. Um, pre-orders are live right now on Amazon, so if you want to check that out, it's about twenty dollars. The album comes with a uh, comes from Million Records, which is a small company specializing in the vinyl release of anime and video game soundtracks. Um, 
and uh, the cover art looks really good for the album. Uh, it's got like a kind of like a tealish tinge to it with uh, with it kind of looks water like like watercolors with the main character looking up towards I don't know the sun or something like that. Who knows? And then uh, f- of course, like I said, the the record is like a yellow, and it has all nine tracks across both sides, and it's set to release on July fifteenth. So if you want to check this out, make sure you check out the Amazon page for the Returnal original soundtrack vinyl coming this summer. Elden Ring has has put out a pretty pretty big patch. People are both happy and sad. It seems like a lot of those weird farming techniques that people came up with, well maybe not weird, but you know, farming methods um, are not going to work anymore. They nerfed some weapons. Uh, I guess the Mimic Tear Ashes also got pretty nerfed as well. Um, it's interesting that um, so many things got changed, uh, but they also added some good things in there. So don't you know? Don't be too frustrated with it. Uh, it's a pretty big patch, um, but let's go over what they did. So they added a function to record an icon and the name of the NPC on the map when you encounter that NPC. So in the example, they show the Church of Ella, and then the Merchant Kale is also listed underneath the Church of Ella, Ella, Ella. Or at the Castle Morn Rampart, the Nomadic Merchant is listed as a person in the area, which is a good idea. I think that's a good idea. They added a new NPC called Jar Barim? Baron? They added some new quest phases for various NPCs, including Delius, Nephilus, Kenneth Height, Gatekeeper Gostock. Uh, they added some summonable NPCs in multiple situations, so there's going to be more summonable M- NPCs and probably boss rooms. Increase the number of patterns of objects players can imitate when using Mimic's Veil. Added night background music for some open field areas. They also had a whole slew of bugs that they fixed. Um, I, I don't want to go through all these. You don't. You can read the list if you want to. Uh, then also balance. There was a lot of balancing changes. So they increased the drop rate of smithing stones from certain enemies. They added smithing stones to some early game shop lineups. They increased the shield's effectiveness. Thumbs up there. <laughs> they increased the damage of all offensive cracked pot. Cracked pot items. Uh, increase the damage for the following items. Spark, aromatic, poison, spray, spray mist. Oh my god. Increase the effect duration of the following items. Uplifting, aromatic, in iron jar, aromatic. I can't read these words. Stop. Increased healing items for torrent. Reduce FP consumption and increase the damage of the following sorceries. Uh, Glintstone, comet shard, comet, and night comet. They increased the damage of these sorcerers as well. Gravity Well, Collapsing Stars, and Crystal Barrage. Decreased FP consumption for the following sorcerers. Oh, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, Raised projectile speed and range for the giant glintstone shards. Decreased Ash of War. Hoarfrost stomps damage and increased the cast time. Increased Ash of War. Bloody slashes self-inflicted damage while slightly lowering the damage and increasing the cast time. Decreased weapon skill. Sword of Night and Flames damage, increased FP consumption for Ash of War, Barricade Shield, um, and other enemy and weapon balancing and changes as well. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything in there that I really found too egregious. Uh, obviously, you know, when when you're using certain builds, some things do become a bit game-breaking or maybe like an easy mode. So maybe they were trying to balance that out. But then again, I mean, I've seen videos and stuff detailing, you know, that final boss fight or the final, like, th you know, the big three hardest bosses in the game. And it's like, at that point, when they can one-hit kill you and you can't even see it coming... I feel like maybe a little bit of cheese or a little bit of OP on the on your on your on the character's end is a good thing, but also it is also a Souls game, so they want to make it you know as as tough as possible. I mean the game is still tough. Don't get me wrong. I'm going through it a little bit easier because I'm over leveled for the areas that I'm going to now. I'm pretty I'm pretty deep into the game, about thirty hours in, and I'm having a lot of fun still. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not a magic user though, so a lot of those changes really don't affect me. Yes, I've been using my ashes, and I know there's people out there who are like, oh, if you use ashes, you're, you're, you're a noob, you're a pleb. And it's like, I don't know, I mean, it's in the game, and it's very helpful, especially in those scenarios where it's like two bosses, you know, you can have a group of wolves going around, and the boss will latch onto the wolves for a little bit, allowing you to get some hits in. What does it matter, you know? I, I find that those Ashes of War really do help balance the game out because the game is meant for co-op play. As I said before, in my original first impressions, the game is meant for co-op. So if you want to summon in an NPC ally, go ahead. The game is literally designed around having people in your party to help you fight these boss fights because these boss fights are not easy. Oh, well, X out the dungeon bosses, okay? Most of the main boss fights are not that easy. So having another person there to help you is what the game is kind of designed around. You can definitely tell when you when you meet the first big foe, Marit. You know, that's definitely the one that's like, okay, they designed this around having two people there to one person to distract them a little bit and then get a hit and then whatever. You know? And I, I feel like summoning in, summoning in an NPC is not that big of a deal, or your Ashes of War for that matter is not that big of a deal because the game is literally designed around co-op. The whole game is designed around co-op. Unlike the other Souls games out there, like Bloodborne, like Dark Souls, like Sekiro, the co-op is kind of like an afterthought, right? It takes a lot of work to get into. You don't get it right away. Just like in this game, you don't get it right away either. Um, but summoning and stuff like that is a lot easier when it works, when the servers are designed to allow you to do that. <laughs> um, so... Don't be afraid, you know, don't be afraid to be called a noob if you use a summon to help beat a boss, right? I've used summons, I've used Ashes of War almost on every single boss fight, okay? I tried, you know, I, I tried doing it more so of a traditional way, and, and Elden Ring is not a traditional Souls game, it's not like a traditional Dark Souls game, so don't play it like a tr traditional Dark Souls game, that's all I'm saying, you don't have to play it like a traditional Dark Souls game. If you want to, that's fine, if you want that challenge of going up against a boss yourself with... With, with just a sword and a wand, go ahead, by all means. But for me personally, and for a lot of people out there, it's nice that they have these options to get some help without having to connect to the internet to have someone help you out, like, you know, in past experiences that I've had. So... Yeah, you know, don't 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 worry, you know, if if you're if you're a player who is struggling, I highly highly recommend using those Ashes of War, and I highly highly recommend using the summons. It it doesn't matter. If you're like if you're going to enjoy the game more because the you know, summoning in an NPC is going to make the boss fight a little bit easier to help you beat it, that's great. And hopefully you'll enjoy the game more after that, right? Um 
But anyway, you know, I'm enjoying the game myself, and I've been playing it the way that I want to play, and I'm not going to let anyone else out there on Twitter, Discord, live stream, chat, anything like that, tell me otherwise. Fuck you guys. It's a game. It's a video game, and video games are meant to be played by one person, and that is yourself. Does that make sense? Let's move on. I could talk about that for hours. Um, X Defiant is no longer using the Tom Clancy tag. Um, it used to be called Tom Clancy's X Defiant. Um, but after some backlash, because the shooter is a very, um, it's like a hero first person shooter, right? Where you have a bunch of different characters who are kind of goofy and stuff like that. There's a lot of backlash saying, you know, Tom Clancy wouldn't have wanted his name on this, you know, goofy take on you know shooting and stuff like that um people said in 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 life he was very anti-war and stuff like that so having him attached to or having his name attached to something like like this game that's just kind of like a goofy action game you know i guess that's that's a little bit disingenuous you know um so it seems like it's been it seems like they just updated the website but it seems like it's been a while since they've actually been using tom clancy's x defiant uh they also changed the logo a little bit it's less goofy and and you know stuff like that and it looks more modern and whatever you want to call it um the old logo kind of looked like that um bleeding edge or whatever it was called a game that was in the same genre and i think they wanted to get themselves away from those um uh failures <laughs> i was trying to find the right word there uh so they've definitely made it more sleek and you know whatever and now it's just it's pretty much just called x defiant a ubisoft original and i think that's okay i mean look if 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 tom clancy would be rolling in his grave having his name attached to something like x defiant uh you know and they take it off of there that's fine but then you have to also look at the catalog of tom clancy's games and you go okay but why is his name on this game i understand his name on like the division and the wildlands games and stuff like that there's still a good amount of games out there that i kind of scratch my head at when tom clancy's name shows up on him and this would have been added to that list but it is nice that they are respecting the wishes of i guess the estate of tom clancy and they took the name off of the title all right if you are playing Fall Guys on PS4, you'll need to re-download the game with a new launcher. Uh, so, as you know, Fall Guys has been on the PlayStation for a while. It was free, so I'm sure a lot of people have the free, you know, have Fall Guys downloaded right now. Uh, whether you're playing it or not, that's, you know, besides the point. Um, but essentially, Medi- Mediatonic put out a, uh, a new version of the launcher, um, and you'll need to re-download the game to in order to uh you know play the game so the old launcher will not work from the 5th of april the new launcher will go live on the playstation store if you already own the game this new version of fall guys should appear automatically in your game library and your saved data and all content will transfer download the new launcher as you would any other game this is how you'll get access to the game going forward and from the aforementioned date the old launcher icon will be grayed out so you know which one to use. From May the from May 9th, it will no longer work, so you'll need to download that version in order to play the game. It is a little weird, um, but at least they are giving you a free outfit if you play under the new launcher. It's a shark costume, which is kind of cute, obviously. Um, but I don't know why they would... I mean, why do this? I mean, let's say someone hasn't really been playing Fall Guys... And, you know, all of a sudden this Fall Guys button doesn't work the next time they go to play it. 
Do you really think they're going to want to re-download the launcher just to play Fall Guys? I don't know. I think that this might this might take away a few uh, a, f- a few players. You know what I'm saying? I, I, uh, especially on play. I mean, it's not going to change on PC, obviously, but on PlayStation, you know. And the game still needs to launch on Switch and Xbox. I think um, maybe this new launcher is going to help with crossplay. Maybe that's the thing. I don't know. There's no real specifics given out other than you gotta download this new version. So you remember that Reggie Fizame was on GameStop's like board of directors or something like that. Uh, he joined to help put the company back on track and help with their ideas. And he was on the board from April 2020 until June 2021. Um, back when he left the company, he didn't really say anything too crazy. I mean, I don't think he even said much of anything at all, but in a recent inter- interview with Bloomberg, uh, uh, Emily Chang asked, uh, asked Reggie what he had to say about the company's strategy now that he left the company. Um, and he said, and I quote, there has not been an articulated strategy. Leadership says, uh, they don't want to articulate their strategy because they don't want someone to steal it. To me, that was unacceptable. So the fact that the leadership wasn't telling Reggie exactly what they were going, they were planning on doing, means that either a they thought that Reggie was going to go back to Nintendo or back to whoever and and spoil, you know, whatever they were going to do, or b and this is probably the more likely thing is they don't have a plan, and <laughs> they just kind of said that to get him off their backs. Um, I don't know. Reggie Reggie took up a lot of different um, a lot of different seats in, in a few different companies, and GameStop was the one that had me going. Oh, this I hope this doesn't last too long because as much as I I mean GameStop was what I grew up on, you know, selling and buying games. Obviously, I've kind of gone away from GameStop. I still get their magazine because I think the magazine has a lot of good information in it. But even then, there's so many magazines out there from like the UK, especially that are just so much better than like Game Informer. I mean, I was looking at this, I was flipping through a PlayStation magazine from from the United Kingdom, and it was just like such a more vibrant, easier to read kind of kind of uh, feature. And even in these new Game Informer issues, like I have one right here that I just got last month. There's there like the number of games they're reviewing is way down, even though there is a bunch of games being released. So you have this section where it's just like the last page of the magazine. It has like five different blurbs with like two or three lines for a video game that may have been a pretty big game, you know, but because they spent so much time talking about, you know, whatever game else came out that year. They just, they just put it in a little blog, and it's like, I don't understand. You know, they, they, you used to go over every single game in detail, no matter if it was an indie or a AAA experience, but now it seems like only AAA experiences are getting the full review, and indie titles and a lot of Nintendo titles are just getting a few sentences at the end of the magazine. And I don't like that practice. So I think when it comes time, I don't think I'm actually going to renew my Game Informer, and I'm probably going to switch over to this PlayStation magazine that I found at Barnes & Noble which I thought was way better put together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's move on. Borderlands Three is finally getting crossplay. Um, it took a, it took a while. It definitely took a while, but Borderlands Three does finally uh, is is getting that crossplay update that many many people have been waiting for for a while. Um. And it also appears that Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is going to launch with crossplay. So that is a nice thing for the launch of the new game. 
Crossplay has been confirmed. Uh, party up with PS4, 5, Xbox One, Series X, and PC via the Epic Games Store. You can crossplay between all those different things. Um, at the time of uh, the article coming out, there hasn't been a date provided for Borderlands 3's crossplay to go live. I'm guessing it's going to be the same day as Tiny Tina's Wonderland goes live. But then again, who knows? I mean, we this this was announced like two years ago at this point that Borderlands 3 was going to go, you know, crossplay and blah, 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 blah. And I thought that it already had been added. I remember uh, when when I was replaying Borderlands 3 doing my my thing for the boss video that I put out with Player 2. I remember going, oh, yeah, it's crossplay. Come on, join me if you want to. And it wasn't crossplay. And I was like, what? I thought they announced that so long ago. And yet. Crossplay still isn't out yet, even though they've re-announced that there is going to be a crossplay update coming soon. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. And like I said, I expect it to come alongside Tiny Tina's Wonderlands getting the crossplay added. So yeah, I'll let you guys know then. Alright, let's talk about the games coming soon. First one up on the list is a game called Wildcat Gun Machine, which is a bullet hell in the same style of Enter the Gungeon or even Hades. That's right. It does have a lot of stylish similarities to Hades. Um, so the game is coming from Daedalic Entertainment, and they announced that the release date for the game is May 4th, which is Star Wars Day. Um, it's being developed by Chunky Box Games. The game is a dungeon crawler in which you go against hordes of non-cute flesh amalgamations. That is directly from the post don't don't you know don't question me uh, you'll use a host of weaponry at your disposal with over 40 different types of guns in all and of course there is a trailer that you can watch on Daedalic Entertainment's YouTube channel. It looks pretty stylish. I mean, it's not like it's not a clone or a ripoff of like, you know, Enter the Gungeon or some or Hades. Um, but you can tell it definitely was inspired by something like Hades or something like that. Um, it's it's definitely looks very bullet hell. It looks very it looks pretty good. You know, I don't think it looks too bad. Um, some bullet points, uh, unique 2D art style, skill upgrades to suit your playstyle, epic set piece boss battles, and like I said, over 40 guns to deploy so if you want to check that out like i said it's coming may 4th or you can check out that youtube video WrestleQuest. this is a turn-based wrestling rpg that is coming to pretty much every platform um in summer in summer um so in WrestleQuest, players will assume the role of a young wrestling hopeful on his quest to become one of the all-time greats, while he power bombs, slams, and suplexes his way to the top. Inspired by icons like the, like the legendary Macho Man Randy Savage, our hero must immerse himself or herself in the world of professional wrestling, which will not only test his athleticism, but his will and conscience too. Um, it has like a nice uh, 2D pixel art style. It almost reminds me of like a... Um, Maybe not a guacamole, but it, it definitely has a, 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 a nice pixel art style to it. The worlds themselves, from what they showed, didn't look incredibly well done. But I'm willing to give that a pass if the gameplay is good, right? So yeah, it's, a, it's like a 2D um, wrestling game that is turn-based. And that actually sounds really, really interesting to me. So 
Yeah, you know, um, here, oh, here's, here's a blurb about the combat. Perfect. Throughout the game, players will experience classic turn-based RPG combat that mixes real-time action with tactical choices as they wrestle through a richly detailed and fantastic storyline, starting out as a newcomer before ascending the ranks and becoming a sport's greatest star. Players will meet a host of legends, including Macho Man Randy Savage, Booker T, Andre the Giant, Jake the Snake Roberts, Diamond Dallas Page, Jeff Jarrett, Jarrett, and many more, with tons of side missions, bonus combat, and much more. Um, I mean, yeah, this game seems really unique, especially for a wrestling game. You know, you, you think of a wrestling game, you immediately think to the 2K WWE series, um, and this definitely, I mean, it's using... Uh, the likeliness, like the likeness of a lot of these legends of the wrestling world. Um, so I'm wondering if this game got a, maybe a little bit of help from the WWE, but then again, uh, it doesn't specifically say that 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 it was made in in you know with the WWE's approval. So hey, you know I think that it's a cool different way to play a wrestling game. And if you want to check that out, there is a YouTube video on Skybound Games YouTube channel for WrestleQuest, Tag Team with Destiny. Alright, there are three new Sega Genesis games that have been added to the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack, and they are Alien Soldier, Super Fantasy Zone, and Light Crusader, which I haven't heard of any of these. Alien Soldier is a game where you play as the role of a birdman with steel wings in his fight against 25 bosses, in this challenging game, you learn new tactics with every defeat, or take advantage of the handy rewind feature. Super Fantasy Zone has you powering up the ever-appealing Opa Opa across eight colorful planets, and Light Crusader, uh, is something about a lovingly crafted RPG, action RPG. So there you go. If you want to check those out, they are available right now on the Nintendo Online Expansion Pack. Sniper Elite 5 has a release date now, and it is official. It's going to be coming out the 26th of May. Um, like I said before, it's coming to the Xbox Game Pass as well, so, you know, if you want to save a couple bucks, you don't have to buy the PS5 version. But that is your decision. Um, so, essentially, uh, the game is going to revolve around Carl Fairburn still, and he's going to wage war on the mysterious new plot by the Nazis known as Project Kraken. The twist to the gameplay this time around is the invasion mechanic, which I already talked about before, where people will be able to invade your single-player missions and try and pick you off from afar. Pre-orders will be bundled with an additional mission named Wolf Mountain, in which you'll infiltrate Hitler's personal retreat in the Bavarian Alps, as well as you'll be getting the P-1938 suppressed pistol. So if you want to try that out, you know, all you got to do is pre-order the game. If you get the Deluxe Edition... You'll get all the other bonuses as well as the season pass for the game. Um, so according to Rebellion, the season pass will give players access to post-release two-part campaign, an extensive map where they can arm themselves with, with an expanded armory of authentic World War II weapons and customize their sniper with new character packs and weapon skins. Um, so yeah, it seems like it's kind of worth it to do this, the season pass there. Uh, the developer also pledged support to the Red Cross of the Ukraine. As part of the statement, the studio said the thoughts of rebellion are with everyone affected by the current situation in Ukraine. So, yeah, if you want to wait, you know, check that out. Uh, it's coming May 26th. There is a new trailer up on their YouTube channel if you want to check that out. And hey, maybe it'll be playable at PAX. All right, so Moss, the sequel to Moss called Book 2 
is going to be coming in March, actually really soon, March 31st, for the PSVR. There was a gameplay trailer released on PlayStation's YouTube channel. Looks pretty interesting. Obviously, it's a like a pseudo-VR slash 3D platformer game where you control your character and then you look around and, and, and the environments and stuff like that. Very interesting concept. I know a lot of people felt motion sickness when playing this one the environments look really good uh, the gameplay looks smooth and like i said it's going to be out on the 31st of march so if you want to check that out that's when it's coming um and it's on you know they got a new trailer or a gameplay reveal on the youtube channel for playstation a new game from supermassive games is has been fully revealed it's called the quarry if you don't recall this studio is the one who put out until dawn back when the ps4 originally launched um that was i mean until dawn is still like a a nice playthrough i I still really enjoyed it myself and the quarry seems like a updated better version hopefully um if you don't i mean obviously the dark pictures anthology has had its fair share of criticism the nice thing about that though is at least those games are about 30 dollars when they release uh, this game is going to be $60 on the PlayStation 4 and 70 on the PS5 with no free upgrade path from PS4 to the PS5. If you want to get the Deluxe Edition, you'll get both versions of the game, but I don't think that really makes sense. Uh, the gameplay they showed off on the 2K uh, YouTube channel, I mean, well, it's not really gameplay, it's just kind of like clips of things. I think it looks pretty good. Uh, they definitely did a good job with like the character facial animations and stuff like that. Um... And, I mean, I'm hoping the story's not too basic. I mean, from the trailer, I honestly kind of think that it's very similar to what the Dark Anthologies has done. But, of course, we'll have to wait and see when it officially comes out. Um, They said in a a statement, It's late summer in the remote forest of upstate New York, and teen counselors of Hackett's Quarry have the camp to themselves for one final night. That means no kids, no adults, and no rules. In this thrilling cinematic tale... You control the fates of nine camp counselors as their party plans unravel into an unpredictable night of horror. With life-or-death decisions around every turn, the choices you make will determine the story and how it unfolds. You'll be able to play with up to seven people online, each person controlling their own character and controlling their own destiny. Um, And then also, adjustable difficulty lets players of any skill level enjoy the horror, while movie mode lets you enjoy the quarry as a binge-worthy cinematic thriller. So there you go. I'm I'm guessing that the, you know, death around every corner thing is after the halfway point in the game, because that's how most of these games work, where you really can't kill off a character until, like, the second half of the game. Trust me, I've tried. (laughs) But yeah, looks interesting coming uh, later this year. Okay, uh, here's the last game we have to talk about today: Escape Academy. Uh, this is a, a a like a escape room first person game that's coming to Xbox and PlayStation and Steam. Uh, this is going to be a game where you go to like a college based uh, set up around uh, testing your brain with escape room puzzles. Uh, sounds like a weird curriculum to me. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting characters to meet, uh, lots of different, you know, teachers and stuff. You can play it solo or in two-player co-op. It's a mysterious school that's, that's all about training your brain to uh, overcome escape rooms. Um, there's lots of different levels throughout the game that are designed by people who create real-world escape rooms, giving this an air of authenticity. As you explore the campus, you'll meet a host of NPCs, including the teachers and fellow students. 
and it doesn't look too bad. It looks pretty stylish. Uh, there is a YouTube uh, video up on the I am 8-bit YouTube channel if you want to check it out. Um, if you're a fan of escape rooms, this might be right up your alley, or puzzles, for that matter. Um, it seems like it's got a lot of cool stuff going on, plus a fun story in the background. Alright, we got nine games coming to Xbox Game Pass between the 15th and 31st of March. Some of these are already out now. Uh, but we got Shredders, The Dungeon of Nehelbuk, <laughs> Tainted Grail Conquest, Zero Escape, The Nonary Games, A Memoir Blue, Norco, F1 2021 through EA Play, Crusader Knights 3, and Weird West. All those games will be available between the 15th and 31st of March. And also, nine indie games were revealed to be coming to this, the service as well in a in a, in, a, in like an indie showcase from Xbox. Uh, so Tunic, which is already available, as I already said, Paradise Killer, which is already available, Kraken Academy, Escape Academy, like I just talked about, Immortality, Floppy Nights, Citizen Sleeper, Beacon Pines, Chinatown Detective Agency. All those are going to be on the Xbox Game Pass when they launch. Some of them don't have release dates yet. Other ones have release windows. Um, so if you want to check any of these games out, they will be coming to the service when they do. When they do, I'll let you guys know. And finally, for the day, nine more games have gotten uh, touch controls on the Xbox Game Pass. So for the phone, obviously. Uh, so we have Among Us, Among Us, Katamari Damacy Reroll, Luminaires Remastered. Paparazzi, Rubber Bandits, Splunky 2, Telling Lies, Undungeon, and Young Souls. All those will be able to play on the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate on your mobile device. Very good. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Ferris 64. I hope you enjoyed. Um, if you want to catch me live on Twitch, right now we're playing through Paper Mario, the Origami King. And uh, after that, I believe, is Ty, the Tasmanian Tiger. So if you tune in, I'm live on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I am planning on doing some more things with the YouTube channel. Uh, I just got a really nice pixel artwork of uh, my avatar done, and it can talk. It can talk? Yes. So hopefully I'll be putting out some more content on YouTube once I get all that working. Uh, other than that, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, at Yemi the Ferret. All right, y'all, thank you so much. I hope you all have been enjoying the games coming out. And next week, I should be talking about games like Kirby and Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, but until then, thank you so much. I'm Yemi the Ferret, and I am out of here. Bye bye The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening. <laughs>